Welcome to the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. All stations, this is Crystal Palace. Stand by for a message from Brassette. 30 seconds to impact. Hello again, Intelligentsia. John Jeffers here. Being, in case you missed it, happy Patriots Day, which was uh, the 18th of April. Yesterday was the shot heard around the world as American patriots decided a British rule was enough, is enough, is enough, and decided to fight back. Hence, the start of the American Revolution, in case you missed it. But I know, but I know, as patriots, American patriots, you knew these holidays. You knew these dates. All right. Where to start today, my friends? Uh, I'm not, you know, after last week's rant, I think I'm all out of ranting right now but I have to but I will say this you know we've got President Biden taking directions from the Easter Bunny in case you missed that video he starts blathering on to the people there for the Easter egg roll at the White House about Afghanistan so the Easter Bunny comes up, says, no, 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 don't sorry, and kind of, you know, ushers them away. It turns out it was one of the uh, comms uh, people from the White House trying to keep him away. Don't let him say anything crazy. And then you got Kamala Harris, who's just drooling to get into the Oval Office. Her problem is, though, I mean, she just can't... Uh, Stop cackling long enough to take a pee. Oh, Lord help our country. Lord help our country. In the meantime, I ran across this thing yesterday. Um, and it has gotten no play. I have not seen it anywhere in the mainstream media or elsewhere. Now, uh, this is from what uh, the organic proper put this out uh, yesterday and it says Georgia declares a state of emergency over supply chain shortages I know we have listeners in Georgia this is the first time I've heard this but I wanted to share it with you I'm not calling it as fact all I'm saying is I have not heard this what bothers me about it is it could it could be the first of many dominoes to fall so let me tell you what it is and of course as always you make the decision you know if you want to have a show here on contrario network please by all means get a hold of me you know, we're always looking for somebody new who wants to try it out. Uh, Dave Kirshner. 
He's got a very successful podcast, and he just started a few months ago, really. Well, actually, he started about a year ago. Had He took up my offer. He says, you know what? I want to try this. I said, fine, let's try it. Walked him through the steps. Not hard to get started. Um, and now he's got a pretty good following, especially after I told him, I said, you can do your audio podcast, but if you want to get more uh, higher downloads for your episodes, I suggest you do a video cast, a vidcast, if you will, which is just the same thing as a podcast on a rad video. I found that out a few years back when I started doing it. Dave found out real quick. My, my point is this. You don't have to be an expert to have a show here. Just be willing to share your opinions, thoughts, observations, etc. with the rest of the world. Needless to say, I don't need or want any liberal perspectives. The liberals have the mainstream media carrying their water for them and a bunch of other people doing that too. Not here. Not on Contra Radio Network, won't do it. Does that mean we get, like, you know, Mark Boyle, who I consider to be very far out of the ballpark? But Mark has some points. More, you know, he, he says some things that even I don't agree with. You know, and it gets to the point where sometimes it feels like I am the voice of reason here on Contra Radio Network with my show. Well, I'm not saying Mark is bad, but I'll tell you, Mark gets going. He gets going. Uh, a true believer, a true believer in his freedom and his rights. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But, you know, by all means, please check out Dave Kirshner's show. Please check out Mark Boyle's show if you don't believe me. You know, uh... I talk to Don Lowry at least once a month, and we laugh about Mark saying, has he locked himself into his bomb shelter yet? <laughs> but it is what it is. You know, we do have Prepping 2.0. Good people. I had them on my show once, and I asked them, I said, hey, this is when they first started out. And they've got more downloads than I do. They got more eyeballs. They got more everything. So, by all means, check out the shows. I think you'll like them. Now, let's get back to this. We've been talking about food shortages and supply chain shortages here. We've been doing that for a while. You're well aware of it. You are an informed audience, informed listeners. Not only that, but because our show is heard around the planet, Guess what? My guess is they're having the same issues. They just want to see if we're having it. You know, it used to be years ago, whatever happened in California, whether it was a new trend or music or well, whatever, it would start out in California then work its way east from west coast to east coast. My guess is something at play is happening with our show. Yes, we have listeners around the planet, and what they do is they're seeing it there, but they want to see if it's happening here first in the United States. So, 
But let me get back to this about Georgia declaring a state of emergency over supply chain shortages. Uh, from the organic prepper, it's uh, things have apparently gotten so bad in Georgia that the governor has declared that the state is living under a state of emergency due to supply chain shortages. Republican, ha, Republican, my butt, call him Rhino. Rhino Brian Kemp decreed this executive order on April 14th, which was six days ago, stating that COVID was the reason for all economic distress and supply chain issues within the state of Georgia. Now, if you kept your state on lockdown, like they did here in Illinois, and many other states, got a lockdown, okay. Lockdown Georgia at the beginning of 2020, and Georgians received another notification in November of 2020 that they had been locked down again for another two months. And they wonder why they're, you know, why the economy's in crap condition. You interrupted it, you knuckleheads. But the unconstitutional lockdowns aren't mentioned within the executive order as being the cause of the economic woes of the people of Georgia. From the wording of his executive order, it appears that Kemp now has unlimited powers. As he cites within the order, code section 38-3-28 says that, quote, all orders, rules, and regulations promulgated by the governor, end quote, have the force and effect of law. This gives the appearance that Georgia is no longer ruled by law, but instead by decree. Seems kind of like that in California, too, doesn't it? Hmm. Hmm. The order cites code 38-3-51, saying that Kemp now gets to, quote, assume direct operational control of all civil forces and helpers in the state, end quote. And that he can do whatever is necessary to promote and secure the safety and protection of the, of the civilian population. At the moment, do the three branches of government exist within the state of Georgia? From the wording of this executive order, it, it appears as if there's the executive branch, and that's it. That's all you get. So, is price gouging is now considered to be illegal? No specific rate of markup is defined to delineate what exactly price gouging is. I suppose that this is left up to the discretion of whoever shows up to enforce this new order. I mean, I, I don't. Will the shop owner have to prove how much he paid for an item to avoid being fined and or being sent to jail? Will shop owners be forced to accept lower profit margins than they are used to in order to avoid being labeled a price gouger? What will this do for businesses? You know, that's the problem with government. They think that everything looks good on paper until it finds its way into reality. And then it's like, uh, what's it, you know, unintended consequences. To help with supply chain problems, it was apparently thought that there needed to be longer hours for truckers. Part 395 of Title 49 of the Code of Federal Regulations 
The part that dictates how many hours a semi-truck driver can operate his rig has now been removed from Georgia as well. A clause was added to explicitly, to explicitly, I can't talk today, was added to explicitly state that no carrier could force any other truck drivers to work when they were either ill or fatigued as well. At the very bottom of this executive order, Kemp added that if any part of the order is found to be in violation of Georgia Constitution, in violation of Georgia law, or uh, unenforceable in any respect, such in, uh, such invalidity, violation, or unenforceability shall not affect any other provisions of this order, but in such case, this order shall be construed as if such invalid, illegal, or unenforceable provision has never been contained within the order. Now that's government for you. As things stand, the state of emergency is slated to last for the next 30 days unless things magically get better in Georgia before then, in which case the order will be lifted early. Is this likely to be the first domino to fall? I mean, there's no reason to believe that there won't be more states to make similar proclamations in the near future. There's no reason to believe that just by extending the number of hours that a trucker can drive, that there will be an easing of the supply chain issues within Georgia, uh, within Georgia within the next 30 days either. The current supply chain issues are multifactorial. And there's no reason to believe that squeezing three to five extra hours per week will just cause things to get better. If there's no product to begin with, there's nothing to ship. <clears throat> so let Georgia serve as the canary in the coal mine for you. Now, being in the middle of the South, Georgia is typically considered to be a relatively conservative area, minus the city of Atlanta. If the governor there is willing to give an executive order that appears to drastically expand his powers and seemingly shutter the other branches of government, what could happen in your state, where you live? If supply chain problems can lead to a state of emergency being declared that dictates how much you can charge for an item, how long will it be before further measures are taken in Georgia? Once it is realized that extended truck hours don't help when inflation has wrecked the economy, what next steps will be taken to solve the crisis? Will confiscation of privately owned food from hoarders be used to fight the crisis? Will further powers be granted to Georgia's governor? Perhaps gas rations will come into play. What do you expect to see? Whatever comes next, I can tell you one thing. I don't think you're going to like it. I mean, I like cream cheese as much as the next guy, but drafting an entire executive order for supply chain issues, it just seems to be a bit excessive. <coughs> oh. You know, here we are in the spring up here in Illinois, and good Lord, the pollen is here one day, gone the next, back again. It's wrecking me. <laughs> now, Economic collapse, my friends. There are factors which are about to make the coming food shortages even worse. I know you've heard about it. It's being downplayed. But some, some media outlets are actually talking about it. 
And the reason they want they don't want to talk too much about it is because they don't want to start the run on products. Oh, we've got to, you know, hoard, hoard. No, it's called prepping. And that's why you listen to this show. You should have a supply of food in your house. And I'm not talking weekly. I'm talking about stuff you, you know, you put a buy in your supply catch. So when there is no other food at the store, you've got something. You know, at the height of the lockdowns in 2020, there was a time you couldn't get rice, couldn't even get spaghetti. So with that said, it would behoove one to buy a lot. You know, if you want to get rice, if you like rice and pasta, I do. I'm one of those people. I like it. It's not good for me. I know that. Too many carbs, but I like it. So, I went and got rice aroni. It's got pasta. It's got rice. Guess what? It's a. It's usually less than a dollar a box, and you can find them on sale for 80 or 90 cents. Buy a case of those. There you go. <coughs> I'm just saying, good Lord, I should have taken a Zyrtec today. Oh. I'll probably do that after the show. So let's talk about the three factors which are about to make the coming food shortages even worse. Who is this from? The Economic Collapse, uh, from the economiccollapseblog.com. Good stuff, good information. I want to share it with you. A confluence of circumstances has come together to create a perfect storm for global food production. And now that perfect storm is about to get even worse. Now here on CRN, I warned you about that this crisis was coming. And in recent weeks, we've been showing and, and documenting or telling you about how dire conditions have already become all over the globe. The head of the UN World Food Program is warning that this is going to be the worst worldwide food crisis since World War II. And even Joe Biden is admitting that the approaching food shortages are going to be real. It's probably the only time he was actually cognizant of anything in the last six months. Unfortunately, there have been some new developments which threaten to significantly escalate things. Now, in recent days, and we've all heard about this, if you've been paying attention and you don't pay attention to the mainstream media because they will not tell you these things, I will. As will other patriots and other shows and other podcasts. In recent days, the number of newly confirmed COVID cases in China has soared to record highs. And Chinese authorities have responded. What is this crap? Get it off! There you go. I'm better now. Has soared to record highs, and Chinese authorities have responded to this with unprecedented lockdowns. You know what? Good. It started in China. They sat there and played games with it. They released it. Screw them. Let them suffer. As a result, almost 400 million Chinese are now under full or partial lockdown. So nearly 400 million people across 45 cities in China are under full or partial lockdown as part of China's strict zero COVID policy. That means China is after what I don't think they, is, an, is an impossible goal. Zero cases of COVID. 
Together, they represent 40% or $7.2 trillion of annual gross domestic product for the world's second largest economy. According to the data from Nomura, Nomura, Nomura Holdings, analysts are ringing warning bells but say investors aren't properly assessing how serious the global economic fallout might be from these prolonged isolation orders. Chinese lockdowns are a lot more brutal than lockdowns in the Western world. By now, you've probably seen video shortage of Shanghai residents literally screaming from their apartment windows. Now, I've never seen anything like this before. These lockdowns will continue as long as COVID keeps spreading. To put this in perspective, the number of people that are currently locked down in China is greater than the total population of the United States. Well, that's because China has well over a billion people. They got more people than the United States. So, yeah. Needless to say, these lockdowns are bringing the Chinese economy to a grinding halt, and that is going to affect the entire planet as the port of Shanghai activity is essentially at a standstill. Now, the port of Shanghai, which handled over 20% of Chinese freight traffic in 2021, is essentially at a standstill. Food supplies stuck in shipping containers without access to refrigeration are rotting. This is an enormous problem for those of us in the Western world because our stores are normally filled with goods that have been made in China. While it is true that happens, I will not buy any Chinese products. I will not. I will be gladly spend a little bit of the extra money I have to buy an American product. Mainly because it helps the American economy. It helps my fellow citizens who are co-workers in those factories and those production plants keep their job. Helps them feed their family. And this even extends to our food supply. For example, we send giant mountains of apples to China where they are processed and sent back to us as apple juice. See, this is the kind of crap that just pisses me off. Are we so far gone in the United States we can't make our own damn apple juice? Does it cost more for us to put our apples on a ship, send it to China, process it into apple juice, and send it back to be sold? Now, we need to hope that the lockdowns in China end soon, because if that does not happen, it will likely create tremendous shortages all over the planet. Meanwhile, the fertilizer crisis in the United States is about to get even worse. Now, we've talked about the skyrocketing cost of fertilizer is going to cause massive problems for many U.S. farmers. And now many of those farmers may not be able to get the fertilizer they need at all, due to railroad-mandated shipping reductions. Now this comes directly from a notice released by CF Industries. Now CF Industries Holdings Incorporated is a leading global manufacturer of hydrogen and nitrogen products. Today, informed customers, it's, it's serves by Union Pacific Rail Lines that railroad-mandated shipping reductions would result in nitrogen fertilizer shipment delays during the spring application season, and that it would be unable to accept new rail sales involving Union Pacific for the foreseeable future. The company understands that it is one of only 30 companies to face these restrictions. <coughs> now, CF Industries 
ships to customers via Union Pacific Rail Lines, primarily from its Donaldsonville complex in Louisiana and its Port Neal complex in Iowa. The rail lines serve as key agricultural areas such as Iowa, Illinois, Kansas, Nebraska, Texas, and California. Products that will be affected included nitrogen fertilizers such as urea and urea ammonium nitrate, as well as diesel exhaust fluid and emissions control product required for diesel trucks. I did not know that DEF was on there. Guess what I'm doing today? I'm going to go out and get a couple gallons of DEF fluid because that's what my truck uses. My GMC one ton. And yes, I do like my diesel truck. So anyways, CF Industries is the largest producer of urea, UAN, and DEF in North America and its Donaldsonville complex is the largest single production facility for the products in North America. Now someone at Union Pacific needs to give us some straight answers about what is really going on because the CEO of CS Industries said that this change could not come at a worse time for farmers and he's absolutely right. Now Tony Will, President and Chief Executive Officer of CF Industries Holdings said not only will fertilizer be delayed by these shipping restrictions but additional fertilizer needed to complete spring applications may be unable to reach farmers at all. By placing this arbitrary restriction on just a handful of shippers, Union Pacific is jeopardizing farmers' harvest and increasing the cost of food for consumers. That's you and me, folks. Of course, this comes in the aftermath of a disastrous winter wheat harvest in the United States, and their winter wheat harvest over in China is being called the worst in history. So we desperately need a really good growing season in the months ahead, and now that is being jeopardized by more supply chain issues. At the same time, the new bird flu pandemic in the U.S. just continues to intensify. On Friday, we learned that Idaho has become the 27th U.S. state to have confirmed cases at a commercial facility. What the hell is going on? Uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture announced yet another outbreak. This one in two flocks in Idaho which is making that the 27th state in which the virus has been found since February. Now, according to the USDA, the price of a dozen eggs in November hovered around a buck. Right now, that price is 2.95 and rising. The cost of eggs has already gone completely nuts, and it is only going to go higher. If you don't need eggs or anything that contains eggs, well, then this won't affect you. Unfortunately, the vast majority of us will be affected by this, and we are being warned that this pandemic could get a lot worse in the months ahead. Of course, the cost of chicken meat and the cost of turkey meat will both continue to soar as well. Uh, we can see that some uh, places, the price of chicken breast has shot up 43%. So, if you live in Holden, Missouri, and you go to the dollar store, the Dollar General store, uh, you might want to go buy some Tyson chicken breasts, just talk of the future. Guess what? They went from $6.95 to $9.95. And there was plenty of them. But I just felt like I couldn't afford, so I didn't buy any. So, 
crackers. A shortage of crackers? Are you kidding me? This person had to wait four months for a certain type of cracker to get restocked in the Dollar General store. I also have been having a lot of trouble getting saltine crackers at our local grocery store. Two weeks ago, they finally had one box of the type I buy and grabbed them immediately. This week, none again. Not sure what the problem is. You know what? I told you a couple months ago, for some reason, you know, you, the Pillsbury, you know, ready dough, comes little tubes and all that crap in the refrigerated section, had been empty and empty. And I, I checked. When I first noticed it, I said, okay, eh, maybe they're having a little problem. Not a big deal. And I started checking every week. And it was never, ever, ever stocked. It was empty. Very empty. Finally, about two or three weeks ago, I noticed it stocked up again. But my point is this. What the hell's going on? We're talking about dough. So, a lot of factors are contributing to this growing global food crisis that are outside of our control. By the way, if you like crackers, I like the saltines myself. I've eaten, you know, sometimes I'll just sit there and eat some saltines just because I want to. So, yeah, crack, nothing wrong with crackers. <laughs> well, it is. If they could at least bring a halt to the shooting in Ukraine, that would give us a ray of hope, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. Now, Blinken who I think is a disaster of Secretary of State, has told CNN that the war could continue through the end of the year. The report said that many Western officials have assessed there is no short-term end in sight for the war, and public comments from the U.S. officials have reflected this. I don't know how Jake Sullivan became a national security advisor. He's a freaking walking disaster as well. And he's one of a protracted conflict that he said could go on for months or even longer. Really, Jake? Really? You Well, congratulations. Nice assessment. Glad to see you're in your paycheck for the week, you dick. So Ukraine and Russia usually account for approximately 30% of all global wheat exports. So guess what ain't coming out of Ukraine this year at all? Yeah. So these days, it seems that almost everything that could go wrong for global food production is going wrong, and the stage is being set for this sort of horrific global famine that I've been telling you about that's coming and coming and coming. Now, our leaders may be able to print money, but they can't print food. And if you are waiting for them to wave their magic wands and conjure up a perfect solution to the crisis, then I'm afraid you're going to be bitterly, bitterly disappointed. There it is. That's about all I have to say about it so far. Oh, that, and I noticed that uh, there seems to be room for advancement in the Russian military for those of them that are wishing to advance to, you know, general, colonel. I mean, after all. I am so surprised at how crappy the Russian military is. Their Russian army is a disaster. Just a disaster. So, all right, but that's enough for me. I want to thank you all for listening. Oh, wait, what's this? 
no, we're going to no, we're going to talk about this uh, this week in the U.S. Hey guys, have you heard Chris Coons, that clown from Delaware? Senator Chris Coons is a Democrat. Did you hear what that lunatic said on the Sunday morning talk shows? I'm going to tell you. The drums of war start to beat in the Democrats' chest. Now, Biden has tried to walk, or in his case, daughter, a careful line on Ukraine, keeping Kiev in the fight against its Russian invaders while also keeping the U.S. and NATO out of it. His policies are aimed at making the invasion as costly as possible for Putin while avoiding a wider war between the nuclear powers. That is probably the best that can be done given Russia's interest in Ukraine's vastly exceeds ours. However horrific the world rightly finds Putin's aggression. But it does leave Biden open to the criticism that he should be doing more to help Ukraine achieve victory or to deter Putin. Hey guys, that ship has sailed. They should have been given, they should have been arming Ukraine to the teeth like in October of last year. But they didn't want to do it. So, and there is a risk that his current approach will merely prolong the war, leading to more death and destruction. So far, it has been easy for Biden to ignore such criticism. Many it has come from the type of hawks who brought us the Iraq war. A folly the president supported himself as a member of the Senate, but has since regretted. Senator Chris Coons, the man who now holds Biden's Senate seat and a liberal Democrat, will prove harder to ignore. He says, you know, Coons says, we are in a very dangerous moment where it is important that on the bipartisan and measured way, we in Congress and the administration come to a common position about when we are willing to go the next step and to send not just arms, but troops to the aid of defense of Ukraine. Coons said over the weekend, that's what this lunatic said. If the answer is never, then we are inviting another level of escalation and brutality by Putin. He claims Putin will only stop when we stop him. Kuntz also raised the specter of Syria, where war has continued to rage as a view into Ukraine's future. The White House is holding firm for now. The president has no plans to send troops to fight a war with Russia. He doesn't think that it's our national security interest, said Press Secretary Ginger Tears Jen Saki. Once the conversation in Washington moves in this direction, though, the risk that we will blunder into war grows. We will soon see how deeply Biden and company have learned the lessons of 20 years of ineffectual foreign interventions. <clears throat> there you go. It takes one, one, to break the ice, and he broke it. He broke that, that glass ceiling. The question becomes now, if they go to commit U.S. troops to Ukraine, I'm all for giving the Ukrainians every, I mean, arm them to the teeth. I don't care if the Russians' military gets slaughtered. Good. Because I told you before, 
If you believe in sovereign national borders, like you do on the southern border of the United States, you can't have a little bit here or a little bit there. It's either you believe in sovereign national borders or you do not. If you do, then there you have it. So I'm all for arming the Ukrainians. Give them, give them whatever they want. Give it to them and tell them to put it on credit, and they can pay us, you know, back if they survive. Then, but no troops. Now I've seen a lot of the uh, conspiracy. Not in conspiracy, but it's starting. It's somebody saying that there was a U.S. There was a U.S. What they call it? Surveillance aircraft. That that flew that flew over the Moskva. That's the U, the Russian flagship that got nailed by the uh, Ukrainian Neptune missiles and sunk the flagship of Russia's navy. Twenty minutes before, you know what? The U.S. Air Force, the United States Intelligence Committee, are you kidding me? They are having surveillance planes everywhere but Ukrainian airspace in the Black Sea is international airspace, so they can't fly there. They are recording and gathering all kinds of intel on the Russian military. So, that's not a big conspiracy, people. It isn't. We have our surveillance planes that fly by uh, the Parasol Islands, where the Chinese military bases have been built up. They fly there. They fly close to there. They're monitoring. They're gathering intel. Gathering everything they can. It's not unusual. It just isn't. But you'll have people out there who will say otherwise. Okay. Now that I'm done with this week's episode, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to check their other shows out here. On Contrary Network, I appreciate you listening. Until then, next week, provided that we're not living under mushroom clouds, you'll hear from me then. All right, I'm John Jeffers. Prep today, live tomorrow, have an American day.